0: When Will walked into the bar that night, yeah, I definitely noticed.
1: Well, I got to my friend's party, and uh, at the bar, there was this girl that was checking me out. She was really cute.
0: So my girlfriend waved him over. I was so embarrassed, but he made a joke of it, and I felt better. We had an instant connection.
1: I figured, what the heck, I got nothing to lose, so I, uh, I, I decided to see if I could make her laugh.
0: Yeah... The flirty text started, like, right away.
1: It took it took both of us by surprise. I know it did. But in a good way. We were, ha- I think we were both happy about it.
0: I remember driving to his place with my friend, and she goes, you're in love with him. And I was like, no, I'm not.
1: The sex was great. We were having a great time. But I just knew that I had to kind of pull back.
0: I just started feeling Will grow distant. I thought maybe I was smothering him, and he was, like, freaking out. I was really confused, though, because I thought we were on the same page.
1: She was texting me all the time, and I know she wanted me to text her back, but I just didn't want to.
0: I was a mess. I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. One night when he claimed he was working late, I drove by his office to see if his car was in the parking lot. I felt like a stalker. And then the next day... One of our mutual friends told me she saw Will was on a dating app. I broke when he ignored my birthday. I called him in the middle of the night, hysterical. I was bawling and begging him to come over. I think I really scared him, like he thought I might hurt myself.
2: That was Will and Abby. We've changed their real names and voices to protect their privacy. Their relationship sounds pretty typical so far, right? Come on, we've all been there. A deep crush or the start of a new relationship and all the cliches hit you at once. You blush, your heart races, your stomach's in knots. Soon the majority of your waking thoughts are about this person. But what if there is no us? What happens when it's one-sided? What happens when you feel this way about a complete stranger? And what happens when you just can't stop? I'm Alison Becker, and this is Obsession, a podcast co-produced by Focus Features and LA Times Studios, and funded by Focus Features in support of the film Greta. In this suspense thriller, Chloe Grace Moretz is a young woman who befriends a widow played by Isabelle Hubert, whose maternal charms, however, soon turn sinister and all-consuming. In this podcast, we'll be exploring obsessive love, learn what triggers it in our brains, and delve into what life experiences we've had that make us more susceptible. I was surprised to find out there's actually a word for this state of mind, limerence. Limerence is not a scientific term and your therapist won't find it classified as a mental disorder. Others simply see it as unrequited love. How does limerence affect us? For some, it sparks explosive creativity, For others, a deep depression. And in the most extreme cases, stalking, violence, even murder. We're all vulnerable, capable of having these feelings, and of
3: being overtaken by them. I felt very righteous. I felt like this should be happening. And I couldn't stop thinking about him and how we had to be together. And I felt I knew what was the best for both of us that experience of mutual love just wasn't happening. It wasn't turning into a real relationship. I became sad and frustrated and I just couldn't really move forward. I got obsessed and I I wanted the feelings I was having to end. And it felt like the only way I could make them end was to get this person to love me. So I both Knew a little bit what was going on, but didn't really want to listen to that wiser space in myself. I wanted to win. I wanted to win this person. I wanted to get what I wanted.
2: That's Lisa Phillips, author of the book Unrequited, Women and Romantic Obsession, with a bit of her personal story. She was 30 and in grad school when she fell for another student. Problem was, he had a serious girlfriend. But he flirted with her and repeatedly told her he was breaking up with the other woman. I think at this point, Lisa still had a sense of hope. However, this is not the case for Will and Abby.
1: Like she kept calling me and she was crying. It was really uncomfortable. And she was begging me to come over. I knew if I went over there, what was gonna happen. But um, I went anyways.
0: He kept saying he was sorry and that he cared for me. He started kissing me and then yeah, we had sex. I knew what I was doing and I knew I could win him back.
1: She told me that she wanted to take it slow this time, which was kind of where I was at too. Uh, So I was in for that.
0: We were full on again, but then we got comfortable, like sweatpants and nights in. All of a sudden it was like we were this old married couple. The excitement was gone, and I started to think that maybe I was never really in love with Will. I know it sounds cheesy, but I think I was just in love with the idea of falling in love.
1: It became obvious to me that, like, Abby was the one for me. So I kind of, I just doubled down, and, and that was it. We were together.
0: About six months after we got back together, I told him I was sorry and broke it off.
1: That's just not fair. Like, it's honestly, like, terrible communication. Like, how are you going to lead me down that path and then just leave and just throw me away?
2: Author Lisa Phillips describes how she felt when she first met her crush.
3: I met this man in a graduate school seminar called, you'll love this, Tragedy. (laughs) It's about tragic plays. We connected, we clicked, you could feel that. Back then in the seminar. And at the time we were both seeing other people. Sometime after the seminar had ended, um, this relationship ended. And then I run into this man at the bus stop. And all the things we had been feeling back in seminar just zoomed right into me. Um, and keep in mind I had just been dumped. Yeah, I was working on my graduate school thesis and just knowing that I would get to see this person hang out in the evenings or whatever spurred me on like, okay, I can, I can focus, I can put in a good day of work if I can go out with this man later and tell him about it. Um, and, and so he was my little reward. I think that along with this tremendous sense of possibility uh, that I was feeling in the prospect of a relationship with this person, there was a very bodily feeling. I think people want to assume this is all about sexual desire, that you're just so horny, you can't stop chasing someone. And I would say that absolutely feeling sexual desire was a huge part of this. I was very turned on. I felt turned on a lot of the time, but I also felt very alive. And I also felt like It's like feeling vivid in yourself.
2: Lisa's clearly got a healthy crush on this guy and feels an intense emotional connection to him. And then, surprise, he kissed her.
3: The kiss historically is this turning point, right? This is the point at which the promise of love becomes the realization of love. Unrequited love becomes mutual love. But um, it doesn't always... Happened that way and it did not happen that way with us and he just said look I've got to leave and I just remember feeling like everything changed that whole feeling of, of fullness and being more it was like it just started draining away into this panic
2: his rejection and their drawn out back and forth fueled Lisa's infatuation turning it into a full blown obsession this was her tipping point and her out of control behavior it escalated
3: I became so frustrated that I woke up very early in the morning, you know, feeling very confused and upset and depressed, and my release from that feeling of being so depressed and disappointed was to go to his apartment building, he lived just a few blocks away from me, um, and basically find someone to let me in the security door and go up and bang on his door uh, for a very long time until he opened it. And he opened it, bearing a baseball bat, and telling me he was going to call nine one one I looked at him, and I said, "This is me. You don't have to call nine one one on me and I was trying to hearken him back to all that he knew about me, you know, the time that he had known me the the smart, confident person he knew when we first were spending time together and he let me in um and we ended up spending the day together. And it was a very strange day. We went for a long walk together. um, And at the end of the day, we ended up back at my apartment messing around. And then he left to go see his girlfriend, um, who lived in another city. So he left to go home and he was going to take the train the next day. Um, And this really sent me into a very dark place.
2: Is this dark place that Lisa refers to the concept of limerence? Psychologist Dorothy Tenov actually made up the word in the late 1970s, while studying the beginning stages of romantic love. She interviewed hundreds of people and wrote a book, Love and Limerence. Her research led her to believe that this strange, powerful sensation universally felt was deserving of its own name. There could be no scale. This was an all-or-nothing deal. Limerence, by definition, is beyond our control, said Tenov. Critics argued her work wasn't rooted in real science. Now, 40 years later, her definition seems broader and grayer, and some experts are pushing to revise it.
4: I'm Al Waken. I'm a psychology professor at Sacred Heart University. And a very long time ago, I taught part-time at the University of Bridgeport when Dorothy Tenoff was a professor there. Her definition was that limerence is more similar to that intense, strong feeling that people develop for each other in the first several months of a romantic relationship. She didn't see it as problematic as I found it to be. Is it possible to distinguish between love and limerence? Uh, the, The answer to that question is no, not in the first several months of a relationship. In limerence, the need for the other person becomes increasingly more intense. And the need for reciprocation, the need that, you know, to have the other person uh, be sure that I know that they still care about me, etc., becomes insatiable. There are usually indicators, red flags, you know, this kind of thing limerence seems to just come out of the blue, and I find that to be fascinating.
2: He'd also like to see it recognized in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, otherwise known as the DSM. It's the book that defines the classification system for psychiatric disorders.
4: If a problem like limerence isn't even in the DSM, uh, then there's no uniform way to classify it. Limerence is a very unique and specific disorder, if you will, or condition, Um, it's a combination of addiction and OCD. We have found that sometimes people are thinking of the other individual as much as 90% of the time. And the conclusion of that is that it is strongly believed that limerence is some kind of combination of OCD and addiction it isn't one of them without the other it's a combination of the two
2: we're going to take a short break to speak with actress chloe grace moretz star of the suspense thriller greta she plays Frances, a young woman who finds a stranger's handbag on the subway she kindly returns it to its rightful owner a widow played by isabel hubert and the two begin an unlikely friendship that soon turns into a terrifying nightmare when Francis becomes the object of the older woman's obsession.
0: It's the most highly saturated, concentrated version of unrequited love where most people, you know, they cry for a little bit and they get over it eventually. And and I think that's the big thing about unrequited love is that you also feel like, you feel taken advantage of and you feel stolen from and you feel like you've been sold down a river, you know, and and you don't have a paddle to get out and you're just, you're just kind of stuck. But to go to the point of obsession and obviously trying to kidnap someone and, and keeping them, you know, uh, keeping them as a prisoner in your home is, is definitely the umpteenth degree of it.
2: Sounds like Greta fits neatly into Professor Waken's darker view of limerence. She is compulsive and her patterns of behavior are repetitive and destructive. So if his assessment is accurate, that obsessive compulsive disorder and other addictive behaviors go together when you're talking about this sort of unrequited love, then these people are suffering from obsessions that are pathological. Go online and search common signs of limerence or obsessive love. You'll see that there are loads of checklists and personality tests, and you'll learn that you may be love-obsessed.
4: It is much more intense. It is you know, much more uh, overwhelming, and it goes on for a much longer period of time. The, the obsessed person, especially when uh, they're not getting reciprocation or they're not able to get in touch, is experiencing a very high level of anxiety.
2: And if you're looking for others to learn from, commiserate with, or vent to, there are communities like this online.
5: I'm uh, Dr. Limerence at least that's my pseudonym, and I started a blog at livingwithlimerence.com.
2: Dr. Limerence is a married father in his 40s, a bit bored at home and on the job.
5: So a new woman uh, joined the company that I work at, and uh, you know I was immediately struck by her. So it ended up um, that I was working with this woman and getting to know her better, and we got on very well. And so we then started to to, I guess, bond is the only way to put it, that we got to know each other um, at a sort of a deeper level.
2: At first, his infatuation with his co-worker gave him a lift. But the secret pining and obsessive thoughts for his limerent object, as he refers to her, waned within a few months. What didn't go away was the need to keep these thoughts a secret. His secret life is energizing, but also tortured.
5: I never declared these feelings to my limerent object, as we call them, so I never, I never declared it openly. It was an internal, um, emotional battle, I suppose, that I was fighting. Why I started the blog was because I was having this experience and trying to make sense of it, essentially. And in a way, it was a kind of an exorcism as well. That I was trying to get the feelings out and, and onto the page rather than holding it all in to myself. There is a fair amount of jargon on the website, you know, from, from this kind of community. So we talk about a lot about LO, which is the limerent object, um, and SO as the significant other, um, and L L E is another one, so that can either be a limerent experience or the limerent episode. And this is a kind of a shorthand that you become more and more familiar with uh, the more that you read around this, this kind of uh, area.
2: People can search these sites and post anonymously about their unrequited loves and what they're secretly fixated on. Nicole is a regular on these sites. She's also a married mom obsessed with her kid's school teacher, and he has no idea
6: she feels this way. He never did or said anything to make me feel these things or to make me think that there's any reciprocation. He has a relationship i have a relationship at home it was just basically something pleasant to think about in my mind that at some point just got a little bit too out of control and i couldn't tell you how that happened i just know that one day i was kind of thinking this shouldn't be something i think about every two five however many minutes of the day it was basically just everything associated to him i mean it's hard not to think about him when I have to bring my children to his place of work every day, right? So immediately there's the association of, there's the school, there's his car in the parking lot. Oh, there he is walking through the parking lot. Um, And then even to the most... Minute things that should have nothing to do with him, I'd be pouring a cup of coffee at home during the day and thinking about how I love coffee and I know he really likes his coffee, ridiculous things like that, and that is what signaled me to the fact that there's something a little bit off about this. Nicole's
2: experiences may sound extreme, but variations of her experience are more common than you'd think. Unrequited love, not just a minor crush, but an intense, passionate yearning, is virtually universal at some point in life. A 2013 study, The Prevalence and Nature of Unrequited Love, concluded that 88% of participants experienced at least one type of unrequited love in their lives. And come on, the rest were probably lying. However, much of the research is anecdotal. People share their stories with mental health professionals privately and online, often quite publicly. Now... What about the person on the receiving end of this unwanted attention? Here's Charlotte, a divorced mom traumatized by an obsessed former love.
7: I think it was probably a few months into the relationship. Um, If I didn't return his phone call, he would, you know, keep calling, keep calling until I returned his phone call. It seemed as though, like... He wouldn't trust where I was, even though I would say I'm with friends having dinner. I would have to take a picture of my friends at dinner to send to him. And then it just rapidly um, got worse. I was afraid that he would show up unannounced and uninvited. I was renting a house at the time, and he broke into my house and when I came home from the evening, I saw my underwear with the crotch cut out all over my bedroom floor. It took a very long time to finally extricate myself from him. Um, I actually left the, uh, the rental that I had, the house, and moved into a secure condo building because I was trying to get a restraining order at the time. And the lawyer had said, sometimes in cases like this, it's really difficult unless you come in to the judge with a broken arm or a black eye or text saying, I'm going to kill you and hurt your children. This really caught me off guard, like completely out of left field. And I was completely, completely
4: afraid.
2: What happened to Charlotte is not the norm, says Professor Waken. Also, duh, that's not the norm.
4: Most people suffering from limerence are not stalkers. And all stalkers are not people who are suffering from limerence. But they do go hand in hand. Obviously, if you're addicted to another person and you're obsessed with the other person, trying to follow the other person and keep tabs of their movements and comings and goings, is almost a natural thing to do.
2: Stalking and other manifestations of obsessive behavior are often done in secret. Dr. Limerence, and trust us, that's not his real name, protects himself and his regular life with the cloak of anonymity. On the flip side, Charlotte conceals her true identity because she's still fearful of her ex. And what about Abby and Will? The ups and downs of their relationship are familiar sounding. But when they broke up the second time, The anger and hurt that Will felt pushed him to do things he never thought himself capable of. On the next episode
0: of Obsession. I saw Will lurking on the sidewalk. He was staring at me through the restaurant window and I freaked out. And so did the guy I was on the date with.
1: She took out a restraining order on me, which I felt was being pretty dramatic. I just, I don't know, I didn't I didn't believe her. So I went over to her apartment, let myself in, and waited for her to come home.
2: If you or someone you know is struggling like Will, there's help. You can get information on mental health treatment services in your area by going to samhsa.gov or calling 1-800-662-HELP to speak to someone. Free, confidential, 24-7, 365 days a year. You're not alone. This podcast was created on behalf of Focus Features by LA Times Studios and does not reflect the views of the Los Angeles Times, nor does it involve the editorial or reporting staffs of the Los Angeles Times.